the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. Our text today is out of Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7, okay, starting with verse 6. We're going to cover 7 and 8, um, but for the purpose of our text today, for the reading, we will be reading that. Ezra chapter 7, verses 6 through 10. When you're there, please stand. It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's word. Ezra chapter 7, starting in verse 6. And this Ezra went up from Babylon. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given and the king granted him all that he asked for the hand of the Lord. His God was on him. And there went up also to Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes, the king, some of the people of Israel, some of the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the temple servants. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king. For in the first day of the first month, he began to go up from Babylon, and on the first day of the fifth month he came to Jerusalem. For the good hand of God was on him, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach his statutes and his rules in Israel. You may be seated. Now, uh, I, I need to review, okay, and I only have one little page of notes here to review, because we stepped away from Ezra over to Esther because of the time frame there. When, when Ezra 6 ends, that space and time in between there, which we'll talk about, is when the events of the book of Esther took place. So if like, I'm going to review a little bit the first part, the first few chapters of Ezra, Cyrus the Great issues a decree that the temple in Jerusalem should be rebuilt. Zerubbabel, is the one who is sent by him to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And he arrives there basically the next year. And they start the foundation work on the temple. That takes us to chapter 3. See how fast that paragraph was? Chapter 4, there's these, uh, what we would say early Samaritans, Assyrians that had intermarried with, that because that comes into play in the last 
few chapters of, of Ezra, intermarried with uh, Jewish folks, and uh, they opposed the rebuilding, uh, and that by the Bible tells us that they discouraged and frightened those who had come to build. They were going to make them wear masks. Uh, I didn't say that. Anyway, um, and then, and then um, verse 5 of chapter 4 sort of summarizes this opposition, and it says it this way, All the days of King Cyrus, king of Persia, that is Darius the Mede from Daniel, uh, to the, until the reign of Darius the first king of Persia, these people opposed. That's a 20-year period. We go through a couple kings in that Persian king. Cyrus dies uh, about five or six years after the foundations of the temple is, is completed. Then Cambius comes along. He's, I'm just giving you these so you don't think I'm making up these stories, okay? Smyrtus, he comes along and reigns for about two months during a rebellion. But eventually Darius... Uh, the first, we also call Darius the Great, becomes king of Persia in 522 BC. But in the midst of this is where you get the books of Haggai and Zechariah. They come along and they prophesy to encourage the people to build the, restart rebuilding the temple again. The foundations are there, and that's what those books are about. Some of the officials... We call it Trans-Euphrates, or west of the Euphrates, these, these various provinces that had governors and satraps in charge of them. They get concerned about a lot of this and want to know who gives Zerubbabel the permission to do this as time has passed because he begins to rebuild again. And nobody remembers the decree of Cyrus. So they write a letter off to Darius and it says, hey, where does this guy get the permission? Uh, Darius goes, looks through the archives and they actually find it in the capital of Media because Cyrus was from Media and Persia. They find it up there. So Darius himself uh, reaffirms Cyrus's decree, adds a few things to it. He'll punish anybody that stops the Jews from doing it and tells everybody to be, pursue Cyrus's decree with diligence or expedience, all right? But what's interesting, this throws a lot of people off because you're in verse 14 of chapter 6 by this point, and it paraphrases the building of both the temple and the walls of Jerusalem when it says that these things, that the, the rebuilding by the Hebrews was blessed by God uh, during the decree of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. So there's three decrees here, and it paraphrases that whole process. They continue to work while these letters get sent off, and they're waiting for a response back from, from Darius. They continue to work, and it tells us exactly the month, the day, that the temple is finished being built, okay, in 516, uh, at particularly May 5th of 516. In case you didn't know that, you go online and the, the Jews are very strong on calendars because of the various religious festivals. You can put in a year, okay, what we would say A.D. or B.C., and they will tell you where the Jewish months landed in that year, how that particular day, the fifth day of Adar or whatever day it is, corresponded in that year with what of our calendar days. So that's how you, you know, it's May 5th and 516. BC, and they celebrate Passover. That brings us to chapter 7. So chapter 7 begins 
in 457 BC, that is the seventh year of the reign of Artaxerxes. That tells us that in verse 7. Okay, so I want you to understand from Ezra 1 1 to 7 1, 81 years are in there. There's some who argue that, but I think those arguments are strong, are weak. So, therefore, from the end of chapter 6 to the beginning of chapter 7, the difference there is a span of 56 years. It's been 16 years since the events of the book of Esther. The fellow that married Esther has been dead now for seven years. So we, 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 we want to see these things. This, then that, then this. We don't recognize these spans of time that goes through there. It doesn't cover every event. Okay? So as we begin chapter 7, it gives us the general information about Ezra, who's going to lead now what we would say is the second group of exiles to return to Jerusalem. Zerubbabel did the first group to rebuild the temple. Ezra's goal here is not to build anything. We'll see what that is. Okay. Um, Ezra is described as this, a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, or the priest, the scribe, or the priestly scribe. And I, I think that's important. It says it more than once. I think it's to differentiate him from another Ezra. But what this means is, is somewhere along the line in his life, he became a, became a copier of the law of Moses. That is what you and I would say is the Pentateuch, the first five books of our Bible, same in the Jewish Bible. He became a copier. And when you copy by hand, bet you he'd had corporal tunnel, okay? But he became a copier of that. But in that process, he became an expert, a studier of that law. And it says not only did he study it, but he taught it. So remember, while they're in Babylon, where he's born, Ezra's born in, in the Babylonian country, territory, not down in Jerusalem. He's of the line of Aaron. He is of the priestly line, but there's no temple in any of the Babylonian cities where he would perform what you and I know as those Old Testament priestly duties. But he is a teacher and an expert in the writings of Moses. Now, he is around in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. When the walls of Jerusalem are completed, he gives the prayer of dedication. This is one of the reasons I say they want to distinguish him from the general Ezra who went with Zerubbabel in the first group, who he's just called the priest. He's not called a priest and scribe, not called the scribely priest, the priestly scribe, none of those things. If he was, because he'd have to be, a, what, 130 years old by the time the walls of Jerusalem, okay? In those days, we're not talking back in the early days of Genesis, okay, or even Exodus, people aren't living that long. It's possible, but because this is so often described as a scribe and a priest, uh, I want to make that differentiation, okay? Realizing he had to be 30-year-old, whichever one of these guys have to be 30 years old to begin with to be a priest. So you start at 30, then you can add these years that we just talked about to that. So I, I, I don't believe he's the same Ezra. People have manipulate, I, I don't say manipulate, have different opinions then about which kings and what kings and try to change dates to make it work to be the same guy. Uh, I don't want to play with the scriptures or the history for that. 
And so, I mean, you can't see it on my footnotes, but I have seven footnotes, academic footnotes, on my sermon here for the dates I give you. Uh, I spent two days reading academic papers and books. When I give you a date, I want to feel fairly confident in that date. Okay, Um, So I'm not just taking this because some Bible teacher said so. i got to go find out for myself. I read a lot of secular stuff, not just theologians, on these dates. Okay? Uh, I think it's important that it says that he's an expert in study of the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel gave. They're making sure that you understand that where this law of Moses came from. It wasn't something just in Jewish tradition. It just wasn't something made up by men. But I want you to know, no, no, God gave this law that he is the expert in. So in verse 6 of chapter 7, we get a general statement that due to the Lord's blessing, Artaxerxes has granted or put forth this decree. Now, I'm going to be honest. If we want to talk about the doctrine of concurrence or providence, which I talked about the week before, all right, why did Artaxerxes do this? Well, because God wanted him to. But why did Artaxerxes do that? Here's why. In those days, each, typically city-state, but each kingdom, and since Persia had conquered so many kingdoms, each kingdom had its own god, or I might say in today's term, patron saint. So, so if, you, if, if their god's a god, and your god's a god, and that guy's god's god, you don't want to take any of them off. So you make sure over here where they worship, we build a temple to their God. And we at my place, I build a temple to my God or gods and vice versa. So Artaxerxes here is not a monotheist. Okay, uh, Even though Zoroastrianism began there, people argue that's one of the early um, monotheistic religions. I'll argue against that, but it doesn't matter. Okay, so, so God's using his own pagan ideas to cause him to help the rebuilding of the walls, the temple, and in this particular case, a massive amount of money to send Ezra to offer sacrifices to the God of Israel. Okay? If we don't remember the doctrine of concurrence and providence we talked about a week ago, I'm sorry. I don't have time to go into all that. Okay? But it tells us as a general rule, he takes some people with him. He doesn't go by himself. And this group consists of Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants. I think that's important because in the next chapter, he talks to you how he particularly gets these people to go. Okay. So we've seen it is in the fifth month of the seventh, re- that would be the renal year. That is the first full year of Artaxerxes' reign. And I got notes here. They actually know the exact date Artaxerxes comes on the throne. Okay. And I, there's a papyrus called AP6, if you want to know. You can go look it up. All right. And it actually tells us that date. The thing is, you've got to understand how the calendars were run. Um, the, this Jewish religious calendar starts in about what time? Week about April, March, April for us, spring. The civil calendar starts in the fall. And then you have, of course, the Babylonian Persian calendar. And you got to work that all out. I was going to make a graph for that, but it just gets more confusing. Okay. So um, we know when he comes in his first renal year then, like I said, would be uh, that fall from 
458 to 457. Since it's the fifth month, we know it's the summer, July-ish. Okay, um, we actually get a particular date in that process, but um, July when this is taking place. And, I, and I, I give you that because it tells us these dates on purpose. Not just so you, you can go, well, that was nice information. I think I'll put that in you know, that file we call the trash can. Okay. It says, though, they arrived. Okay, they left on the first day of the first month, the month of Nisan. And now, remember, Nehemiah is not a priest. He uses the civil calendar. Ezra is a priest. He uses the religious calendar. So the first month for him would be the month of Nisan, or on the first day of the month of Nisan. It says he arrives on the first day of the fifth month. How long is that? Four months. They traveled 900 miles about in four months. Okay, that's a long walk, folks. So we do the calculating. It's March 26th. They leave. They arrive on July 22nd. In case you wanted to know. So who is this Ezra? I've already said he's a priest described. He set his heart. Verse 10. He set his heart to study the law. To do it. Oh, not just study it, but actually do it. Jesus addresses that whole thing in the little story about the man, wise man built his house on the rock and the wise man built, the one guy listened to it but didn't do it and the storm comes and smashes his house. All right, remember that song we all sang when we were little kids if you were going to church? Okay, so he studied the law, do it and teach Israel. Study, do and teach. That's in verse 10. When we get down to verse 22, 12 through 22, is Xerxes' actual decree. All right? And I'm going to break that down for you uh, a little bit. First part of the decree um, is written directly to Ezra. Ezra, you have the right, the permission to travel and to take all this money with you. Money both given by Artaxerxes and his, we'll call it his cabinet, his counselors, and money free will offerings from the Jews in Babylon. It gives that in, what's, in all kinds of different measurements, okay? Um, but when I calculate it in modern funds, uh, $223 million. Yeah. But then it sort of tells him how those funds are to be used. One, you got to use it to have animals to sacrifice to give offerings to your God, the God of Israel. And then he says this. This is, you know, Artaxerxes. To do according to the will of your God. So, sacrifice, and whatever your, your God, whatever requirements of your God is, do those. That, you can use the money for that. Okay? And then there's a part of this uh, decree in 21 through 24 where he's talking to the treasurers of the provinces beyond the Euphrates, west. If, you, if anybody remembers that Mesopotamia thing in school, um, it, the Euphrates River where we look at Iraq, Iran, that area, west and south of there, all those provinces, this part of the decree is written to them, the governors, the leaders of those provinces. 
Whatever Ezra, the priest and the scribe, there he is again, not just the priest, but the priest and the scribe, the law of God of heaven, anything he may require of you, it shall be done diligently. So you don't, you don't give reluctantly to whatever Ezra needs as he's passing through, your province probably passing through. You do it, do it diligently. Up to, and then he gives a limit. Okay, whatever, you, but you can't go too far. And it talks about this, 100 talents of silver, 100 cores of wheat, uh, 100 baths of wine, 100 baths of oil, and all the salt. Well, the talents of silver alone is $1.6 million, $1. million in today's funds. Uh, 100 cores of wheat and 100 baths and all that is over 6,000 gallons each. So look at whatever he asks, up to 1.6 mil, up to 6,000 in dry measure gallons of wheat, 6,000 gallons of wine, and 6,000 gallons of oil. You can fry a lot of French fries in 6,000 gallons of oil. And in verse 23, he says this, Whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, it is to be done with zeal for the house of God of heaven, so that, see, now listen to his motive, so that there will not be wrath against the kingdom, the king and his sons. See, here's his motive. Let's keep the Jewish God from getting upset. Now, is God's using his already motive, already thinking, the way he's been taught and brought up to pursue his purpose and to fund the thing God's wanting done. Yeah, the providence of God. Anyway, but then the other part is this. He says to all these treasures, these problems, you're not allowed to impose any tax, toll, or tribute. And he lists not just of Ezra, but the priests, the workers, the gatekeepers, the singers. You can't put a tax or a toll or make them pay tribute. Not one of them. Tax-free. Okay? They can't be traveling through your land and you see all this money they got and you charge them a toll for crossing your land. Okay? And then by the time we get down to verse 25, he's back to addressing Ezra. And listen to what he says. Appoint judges and magistrates according to the wisdom of your God, which is in your hand. No, not the God it's in. According to the wisdom of God that's in your hand. What's the wisdom of God the scribe has in his hand? The word of God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You appoint magistrates and judges. That is civil, criminal, state, federal. That'd be the way we would look at it today. You appoint judges based upon the scriptures. Whoa, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, one of those qualifications is this. Those who know the laws of your God. Just, I, I just want you to think about that a minute. Could you imagine Congress saying to a president or anybody else, saying, look, appoint uh, judges... And only judges who know the law of God. Judges that fit the qualifications as in the word of God. Would Imagine what that would be like. I want you to think about that. The king, the pagan king, has given Ezra the permission to say, if you get there and there's governors and magistrates and all this that aren't that, appoint new ones. So much for stacking the court. And get this. And I give you permission to teach Anyone who is ignorant of these laws of God. Public schools too. Okay? And then he gives the command to Ezra. 
and these people, you can punish anybody who doesn't obey my laws, but not only that, you can punish anybody who doesn't obey the law of your God. My goodness. And then verse 27 through 28 of chapter 7 is when Ezra praises God. Praise the Lord, the God of our fathers, who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart. I know, the king thought it was his idea. I know. To adorn the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, and has extended love and kindness to me before the king and his counselors and before all the mighty princes. Thus I was strengthened according to the hand of the Lord my God upon me, and I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. He knew this was God doing this thing. I know the king. I know yeah, the king thought. I understand. But I understand. The king didn't think unless God had him think. This is the loving kindness of God that's given me the opportunity to walk 900 miles. There are those who argue the, just the weight of the treasure, and I can't remember, but I, don't, I think one of them said like 20 tons. Not with a tractor trailer. Carts. I'm blessed to walk 900 miles to go to church. Oh, I, I hate to tell you, that's what it is. The church has been built there, their church. The temple's there. They don't got one with it. We get to walk 900 miles and carry our offerings with us. Yeah. And he praises God for that opportunity. Then we get to verse, or chapter 8. It sort of tells us the details. No, he, he was here. He got the guys together, left. It took him this long. That's the paraphrase. Chapter 8, he gets in particulars of how he made this journey. The first thing Ezra does is set a camp up outside the city at this river, okay, where they all can gather together, all the people want to go. And it lists those for us. It gives us a census. He, Ezra takes a census over a three-day period of all those who want to go. 1,496 males, over 20. So most scholars, you got wives and kids in there and all that somewhere... 6,000 people probably, which is way smaller than almost 15,000 that went with Zerubbabel. But one of the things they know, all but one of the families are all descendants of the people who went in the first group, who, who some of their family members left decades ago with Zerubbabel. So there's probably some motive in there if you've got family that left so many years ago. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.